Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 455. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. Let's read our passage. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, a church he had founded five years earlier on his second missionary trip. He's now in Ephesus on his third missionary trip, and this letter is providing correction to the church in Corinth. They are very full of themselves. They think they're wise. They think they're full of knowledge. They think they're super spiritual, and they're very confused about some items. One of them is the idea of resurrection. Chapter 15 is all about resurrection. Specifically, their problem is they seem to be denying the future resurrection of followers of Christ. And probably because some of them think they're so spiritual, they've already been spiritually resurrected. So what does the future hold for them except perhaps a freedom from the fleshly body where they can just be purely spiritual beings? And Paul's providing this corrective to them about their thinking that no, they're not completed yet. There's still a resurrection to come. So chapter 15 is all about the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus's followers. He began the first part in verses 1 through 11, just recounting the resurrection of Christ, and that it's the basis of that common faith that we all share. In verses 12 to 19, he laid out the issue of if there is no such thing as resurrection, well, then Christ wasn't raised from the dead, and our faith is pointless. In verses 20 through 28, he talked about the order of resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is the first fruits of the harvest, the larger harvest being the resurrection of everybody else. Then in 29 through 34, he, he gave some reality checks of, If there's no resurrection, if you really don't think there's a resurrection, then why do you do these things? And why do I do these things? Then in 35 through 43, he talked about the varieties of bodies, that God has created everything with its own body, specifically related to its role and its function and location, and that our earthly bodies are not appropriate for the kingdom of heaven. That's why we need a resurrection body. Then in verses 45 through 49, he talked about we have our physical bodies as descendants of Adam, the first man. But we receive a 
resurrection body as followers of Christ, the second Adam. And he made the comparisons between the natural body, which is sinful, fallen, corrupt, corruptible, and the resurrection body, which is perfect and is the exact opposite of all the things. It's not sinful, it's perfect, it's not corrupt, it's incorruptible, and it's not natural, it's supernatural. So now he's wrapping up chapter 15, bringing to a close all this discussion of resurrection. So verse 50, what I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Let's go back to the difference here between our natural earthly bodies and the resurrection bodies that we are to receive. We cannot go to be part of the kingdom of heaven with this natural corruptible body. What we need is the body that's appropriate for that, the incorruptible body. He goes on in verse 51. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. Let's pause there. Mystery. And the way Paul uses the idea of mystery is it's uh, something that was hidden, but is now revealed through Christ. So the mystery he's talking about, we will not all fall asleep, but we'll all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we will be changed. Okay, talking about, well, two things going on here says we will not all fall asleep, meaning when Christ returns, there will be people that are alive. So how does this work? Because resurrection, we refer to as the resurrection of the dead. And remember, that was a concern for the, the Thessalonians. What about people who've died before Christ comes? What happens? And Paul's answer was they're resurrected. So resurrection refers to the dead in Christ. But not everybody's going to die before Christ comes. Christ will come and there will be believers alive. So not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. And so changed with resurrection for those that are dead, changed with transformation for those that are alive. So we will all, alive and dead, be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we will be changed. Now, this trumpet language here, this, this matches what he talked about back in 1 Thessalonians, as he was telling them about resurrection. 1 Thessalonians 4, start with 16, he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. So that was the picture he gave of the rapture and the resurrection back in Thessalonians. So here is the same language. talking about this trumpet that will sound. So the trumpet sounds, the dead are raised, incorruptible resurrected bodies and we will be changed by we he means those who are not dead so there's a change a transformation that takes place with those who are not dead so what happens well it's back to this idea of resurrection body of this incorruptible body this spiritual body this body that's appropriate for the heavenly realm when christ returns 
the trumpet sounds, the dead are raised and are given a resurrected body. Those who are still alive then, we often refer to this as glorified body. And so the resurrected body, the glorified body, that's the same thing. Everybody then is appropriate for the kingdom of heaven. Verse 53, for this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility. Now, is he referring to the dead bodies or the living bodies? Yes, because they're all corruptible. This mortal body must be clothed with immortality. So that's what happens with the living and the dead, specifically uh, making the point to those in Corinth who think they're already there. And Paul's point, no, no, you're not completed because you have these mortal bodies and you need the resurrection body for the kingdom of heaven. Verse 54, when this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Now this is language from Isaiah 25 verse 8, where Isaiah talks about death being swallowed up in the end. Paul adds victory. Fits the, the language he's using here. That which is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up. That's what Isaiah predicts. That death will be swallowed up. Paul says, and, and this is where it happens. At the resurrection, when Christ returns, the dead are raised. The death is defeated. Death has been swallowed up in victory, as Isaiah predicted. He goes on verse 55. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? Now here he's using some language from Hosea 14, because Hosea talks about the sting of death. And so the future resurrection of the believers and the transformation of those who are alive is the final defeat of death. Here's on verse 56. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Well, this goes back to creation, to Adam and Eve, and the fall. Why is there death? There is death because of sin. So we see the linkage between sin and death. The sting of death is sin. Yes, death is the result of sin. And the power of sin is the law. That one's a little hard for us to, to get a hold of. But in other places, Paul talks about the reason for the law. Why the law? The law reveals sin. It doesn't make us sinners, but it shows our sinfulness because it gives God standards and shows how far we fall from meeting those standards. So the purpose of the law is to reveal sin. And so by defeating sin, well, you're then defeating the law because there's no need for the law if you've defeated sin. In verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over sin, victory over the law, victory over death. Then his final words here in, in chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters. So this is important. Therefore, so he's right boiling it all down to this final charge to them. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He does call them my dear brothers and sisters. Usually he's just calling them my brothers and sisters. 
who refers to him as my dear brothers and sisters. As messed up as they are, they're still his brothers and sisters in Christ. And he still loves them. Steadfast and immovable. What's he talking about there? He's talking about being anchored in the gospel. And that's their problem, is they're strained from the gospel. They're losing sight of what following Christ means, and they're trying to just be so super spiritual. And who can be the spiritual of the week? So be steadfast and immovable, anchored in the gospel, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When Paul talks about laboring in the Lord's work through all his writings, he's usually talking about the ministry of the gospel. That is the labor of the Lord's work. So it can be a broader thing, just living life as a Christian. But Paul usually means by it the, the ministry of the gospel. So be anchored in the gospel, be carrying out the ministry of the gospel. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now remember when we started chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. He said, now I want to make clear to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So he began with the gospel, the gospel he preached that they received, that they're dependent on their salvation for the truth of this gospel. And they said, unless you believed in vain. And now he takes it back to stay anchored in the gospel. Keep holding fast to the work of the gospel, the ministry of the gospel. And you know that's not in vain. So he began talking about if you're strayed from the gospel, then, then it's all in vain what was done. But if you stay anchored in the gospel, stay faithful to the ministry of the gospel, that work will not be in vain. So this closes out his discussion on resurrection, that there will be a future resurrection that's guaranteed by Christ's resurrection. And we can get a picture of kind of what it's like by Christ's resurrection. He has this glorified body. We don't know a whole lot about it, but we know it's something different than our current body. And we're promised now that we will receive this glorified body, this resurrection body, when Christ does return. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Corinthians.